This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, John Paul is back taking your calls. Uh, you can contact him at 0818 103 103. Texts and WhatsApps are also available at 0862 103 103. And there seems to be a little ray of light on the COVID front today. And there are hopes now that the country, we are just past the peak of the current COVID-19 wave. This is after the number of people finding they are positive for the virus from a PCR test fell to less than one in three yesterday. And that's the first time it's done that in quite some time. The positivity rate, this is on the PCR tests, the ones that the HSE uh, do, uh, was down to 30.1%. Now, if you look back at that figure this time last week, it was at 43%. So there's been a marked uh, fall off in the number of people testing positive on a PCR test. And that includes encouraging uh, trend is also reflected in the numbers of people that have ended up are in hospital with COVID-19. They were down 73 since Monday of this week and the intensive care numbers, they continue to fall up to yesterday, 54 people in intensive care and that was down five in a day. Overall for the last 24 hours, 7,733 new cases of the virus. Now that's between PCR tests and the home antigen tests, uh, which obviously is showing that there's still a lot of COVID-19 circulating, uh, even though levels are down. And of course, worryingly, the hospitals continue to battle overcrowding. I think there was well over 500 patients on trolleys yesterday morning. So the hospitals and the trolley issue is a kind of a separate issue that's running alongside what's happening with uh, COVID. So while the COVID, it is still circulating in the community, it is starting to look like we are past the peak. Thank God I hear you cry. And then, of course, this morning, we got the news on the COVID front from NIAC, the National Immunisation Advisory Committee there, the crowd who recommend to the government and recommend to the HSE what type of vaccines we should be taking and when we should be taking a vaccine. They've recommended this morning a fourth COVID vaccine dose and their recommendation this morning is for anyone aged 65 and older. Now they they have been given out a fourth COVID vaccine to immune compromised and people suffering from certain medical conditions but now 
that has been broadened and to be given to everybody over the age of 65. They're also this morning recommending a second booster for children for the 12 year olds and older who are immune compromised and also children, the younger ones between 5 and 11 who are immune compromised. They're saying now that they should complete an extended primary course which will bring them to a total of three vaccines similar to what most of the adults uh, got. But that as they say is just for the children who are are immune compromised. The Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, was talking about the announcement from NIAC this morning and he has accepted the advice of NIAC and he says planning has already begun within the HSE for the rollout of this additional vaccine dose. Now he did say that um, NIAC have advised that there should be a six month period between this new dose and the previous one, but that a four-month time gap may be appropriate in some cases because I think for a lot of the over 65s, they would have received their third COVID vaccine and many of them, I don't know if they would still be past the six-month, they certainly would be past the four-month one because many of them got them at the kind of the back end of last year, November into December. So many of those won't be at the six-month mark yet. So anyway, they're looking at maybe maybe using a four month time gap between the third vaccine and the fourth for the over 65s. So the HSE are working on it as we speak, but it's expected to be put in place quite quickly. So it isn't a case of people over the age of 60s. Don't start ringing your your over age 65. Don't start ringing your doctor. Don't start ringing your pharmacy yet. They're now, the decision has been made. This is the next age group that's to get the fourth COVID uh, vaccine. So it'll just need a little bit of time for the HSE to put it in place as to how it will be administered. They'll, you know, they'll have a number of decisions to make. Will they go down the GP route? Will GPs want to do it? Because it can be very time consuming for GP practices. They may instead maybe decide to get the pharmacies to run the over 65s are they might look at having vaccine centres many of the vaccine centres of course are closed some of them are still in operation but they may decide to send the over 65s down that that route instead it's a wait and see we're going to have to wait and see but just to say that the announcement has been made so hang on and uh, when we get more details and more information on it we certainly will bring it uh, to you we are going to be talking on the programme this morning about the cost of everything rising this is the latest Candar survey which looks at our grocery shopping and the, the type of groceries we buy the way we shop and no one's going to be surprised to hear that their first report for the first three months of this year uh, groceries have gone up in price, price, but anyone who does a weekly shop, particularly if you keep an eye on prices, you will know that everything has gone up. And most things just went up maybe by 10 cent, 20 cent. But if you're doing a full trolley load, the cumulative effect when you get to the checkout, I think that's when people really start to notice the difference in the price of groceries. You mightn't know specific individual prices but you do know that when you get to the checkout, you know, say people on average might be spending between 70 and 100 euro on a trolley load of food and suddenly the 70 euro has gone to 90 and the 100 euro has gone to 125. But I heard over the weekend, uh, particularly from people in Dublin, were having problems getting salad tomatoes you know in particular you know when you get the six in a bag of salad tomatoes and then 
I mentioned it to Ken this morning and he said he's noticed it. He's a big tomato eater and he said you can only get the ones on the vine. You can't get those packets. There are others noticing that as well. And it isn't only tomatoes. It seems there is a shortage of any type of crop that's grown in a glass house such as uh, tomatoes. And it seems there's a little bit of a perfect storm has been happening that has led to this shortage. A number of supermarkets are already putting signs up in recent days Sorry, there's a you know a bit of an issue, particularly with tomatoes. Some are pointing to the fact unseasonally wet weather in Spain. Um, Little said had a sign up saying that's the reason that they've got a shortage of tomatoes. Supervalue said they are seeing shortages of tomatoes, of peppers, of lettuce, and of broccoli all unavailable in some supermarket, some super values. They say it is beyond their control. And I saw a wholesale fruit and vegetable supplier in Dublin. Uh, They were saying that there's a number of issues causing this recent uh, shortage. And it isn't just a shortage here in Ireland. It's a Europe-wide shortage. And as I say, it's affecting all glasshouse crops. And so we're looking at your lettuce, your peppers, your cucumbers and your tomatoes. And they are traditionally items as we go into, certainly into May and on into June and July. People like to have salads for their lunch or salads for their tea. Let's hope that this problem gets sorted out sooner rather than later. There has been shocking weather in Spain, including torrential rain. And the torrential rain, it seems, washed away a lot of the plants and then on others it simply damaged them. A lot of the plants then simply shut down and died off. Added to that, you had the Spanish truckers. They were protesting because of the cost of fuel. So even when vegetables were ready for delivery, the truckers were saying, we're not delivering them. So that that crop went to waste. And then the Dutch and the Irish summer season, that's where generally speaking we would get the other the tomatoes and the peppers from they haven't started yet because obviously in both Holland and in Ireland we're relying on natural daylight and we're not getting enough of that at the moment to grow the plants uh, quick enough and then growers are saying because of the war in the Ukraine they're not able to afford to artificially heat the glass houses because of the cost of gas, because of the cost of oil. So you put all of that in together and that has produced this perfect storm. And as a result then of the reduced supply and the increased costs to the growers, what happens? Everything starts to go up. So the cost of the products for tomatoes has gone up between 30 and 35 percent. And an example that a wholesaler used was a kilo of tomatoes is now coming in at between three euro and three euro fifty. And you compare that to this time of year. Normally, the price of that kilo of tomatoes would be around the one euro, one euro fifty mark. So it's gone up to between three and three euro fifty. Tesco in the papers today are confirming the impact on some produce but they're really hoping that the Irish tomato harvest in the coming weeks will bring in more uh, availability and as I say Little had signs up but they're saying it's just a temporary impact and they're saying that they expect that their uh, tomato lines will be resolved. They're saying in the coming days they are being very very hopeful indeed but in case you had been wandering around supermarkets scratching your head wondering why you couldn't get your favourite tomatoes or your peppers 
or even your broccoli. That's what it's to do with the perfect storm. Storm being the torrential weather along with the rising costs of gas and oil and throw into the mix truckers deciding to go on strike. On tomato shortages, so a listener says McDonald's are only putting one slice of tomato into some of their burgers instead of two because of the tomato shortage. So it'll affect your burgers as well. Oh, yeah, well, I suppose if we can't buy the tomatoes, McDonald's can't buy the tomatoes either. Thank you for that. And then, hi Patricia, do you have to reapply to renew your medical card? Many thanks. Stay well, says this listener, uh, and stay well, you too. As far as I know, no. Uh, when a medical card is up for renewal, you will get the application out in the post. Every now and again, they do a review of medical cards as well, even if your medical card isn't out of date. But I'll get it doubly checked. But uh, I certainly, I've, ne- I, my recollection is that when the renewal coming up to the renewal date, the forms will be sent out to you but let me double check or if anybody else knows if their medical card was coming up out of date or had run out did you apply did you have to renew it self-renew it yourself or were the forms sent out to you and Des says Patricia recent donation to a GoFundMe page of €50 euro, I was charged 57.50, uh, i.e. it costs €7.50 to do it. This is surely an outrageous abuse of a person who simply wants to help somebody else says uh, Des. And I tell you Des, what that was, when you go on to any of the GoFundMe pages, you read, really need to read all of the small print because they give you the option to donate to somewhere else or to give extra and you need to make sure that you're ticking and not ticking the boxes if you want to give just 50 euro there isn't a charge on the GoFundMe page but there is a, there is a, a section on it where you actually donate to something else and you obviously just didn't seem to notice it but you are able to just donate what you want to donate on GoFundMe but read read the small print. A reminder to you that all this week giving you a chance to win with the Racing Home for Easter Festival it's at the Mallow Race Course Easter weekend Saturday the 16th running through until Monday the 18th of April three fantastic days of racing at Cork Racecourses live music the Easter Sunday is the big big event when they do the most stylish lady event and then Monday is very much about the family day on Easter Monday with lots of entertainment for the uh, children every day this week we are giving a pair of tickets away to the Easter Sunday day at the races and then each of our daily winners goes forward to an overall prize and one winner on Friday will get their prize upgraded to dinner for two at the restaurant at the race course on Easter Sunday and your prize would include your admission your race card your reserved table at the restaurant where you enjoy a four course meal overlooking the track and then following your day at the races you get an overnight stay for two at the Springford Hall uh, Country House Hotel which is located 10 minutes away from the race course wonderful wonderful prize we'll have another racing question for you and we'll give that to you a little bit later on on the programme in the meantime if you would like to track down tickets for the Racing Home for Easter Festival you can go to corkracecourse.ie According to the latest take home grocery figures from Cantar Irish grocery prices increased by 3.7% in the first three months of this year that's compared to the same period in 2021 and that is the fastest pace of growth since October of 2013 to discuss the latest survey David Berry from Cantor joins me Uh, Good morning to you David Good morning Patricia You're welcome to the programme Now with all of the Covid restrictions now lifted are we buying less goods even though we're paying more at the supermarkets? Definitely we're starting to see that become a trend now 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 that 
as we've moved out of lockdown and as life is starting to return to um, a little bit of normality, we have seen um, sales of grocery items start to start to reduce back to more normal levels. It's still significantly above almost the pre-COVID 2019 period. So actually, if we look at it, it's we're still we're still spending 12 percent more than we were back in 2019, um, but that's seven percent less than this time last year. Um, so yeah, starting to settle back to to more normal shopping patterns. Yeah, and I suppose with people now being able to dine out more and people back at the office more, we're out of our houses more, so we don't need as much food. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We'd almost seen a you know there was a wholesale shutdown in that food on the go really for the times across the last two years, and and now thankfully that that's starting to reopen again, and people spending more time in offices or out on on the road, meaning that you, you, you know, you're nipping out to cafes and, and restaurants for food on the go more than we would have been for the last two years. Um, so that, that, that does reduce back the need for, for in-home eating a little bit. And then when we look at consumer behaviour, I'm assuming, it, is it inflation is very much now the main driver in changes to consumer behaviour? It is really, yes, yeah. And actually, if we look at, you know, when we ask people in general what their main concern is at the moment it's the first time that we've moved on from covid so the cost of living is now the number one concern for for consumers in general and then when we look at grocery shopping and with that increase in inflation that you referenced then then yeah that that started to become i guess the biggest driver of shopping behavior and whereas for the last two years it's been very much about covid and lockdowns and needing to um, prepare more meals at home so so i guess we've known that Food price inflation would be would be coming for a while. Um, across the last year in 2021, inflation was an average of 0.5 percent, which would be, you know, if you look back over previous years, that would be very very low. Mm. And I think we've, we've started to see that pressure coming through in the supply chain, whether it's energy prices or or labour costs, is now starting to, I guess, impact the price that consumers are, are needing to pay um, in the supermarkets. And then, of course, there's been so much talk about food shortages and, you know, particularly with the situation in, in Ukraine. I mean, there was, you know, there's been lots of talk about there's going to be shortages of pasta. There's going to be shortages of, of flour. Does that drive people into panic buying? I think it can do. It can do very, very briefly. So we do see, you know, we see, we see weeks or, or a month where sales would shoot up. So we have seen... Um, you know, sales of home baking and cooking ingredients start to start to increase dramatically, and also sales of pasta increase with that. With those concerns about, you know, whether it's flour or, or pasta shortages, start to almost as a knee-jerk reaction from consumers. But then I think they, you know, when they're in store, they realise that actually um, the supermarkets do a really good job at keeping the keeping the shelves stocked. So, um, so it's temporary, mm. um, and and then it's it does go back to normal. It was, David, it was a little bit like the early days of the pandemic and, and the obsession with buying toilet rolls. It was, it was. I mean, that, that was that was the first thing that we saw really, really start to take off, in, you know, in March. Um, in March 2020, we saw the shelves being emptied pretty quickly. Um, but again, you, you know, back, even back then, people saw that, OK, next time I'm in store, the shelves were full again. So, so yeah, it, it's that very brief, oh, 
panic sets in and then people do return to a little bit of normality. Listen, there's people two years on that haven't bought a toilet roll. They bought so many at the, at the, at the start. <laughs> and then with the with everything going up in, in price, are you seeing evidence of more people perhaps moving to own brand products, trying to save a few cents every week? We, we have started to see that, yes. Yeah, and actually... You know, thinking back since over the last two years, actually brands have done really, really well. So I think people have relied on the tried and trust, tried and trusted brands throughout the pandemic. Um, but now we, in in the last quarter, which is what we're looking at, so the first twelve weeks of this year, um, we have seen retail owned brands um, gain a little bit more. So they've gained one percent share back from those brands that have done well over the last two years. So. So, yeah, it's, it's those ways that consumers have to think about how much they're spending and maybe exert a little bit of control on that just to make sure that they're, they're within budget. And the one thing we did see during the pandemic was the move to online grocery shopping, which became a godsend, particularly, you know, for people who couldn't move outside of their doors. Has that remained popular? Or are people flocking back to the supermarkets again? It has remained popular, actually. It is one of those one of those changes that has certainly stuck around. Um, I think people have found that being you know, it, it's pretty convenient, and they've almost adapted to it. And it's now become part of the part of their weekly routine is to is to keep getting those online deliveries. And um, I think at the you know initially early on, it was retail. It was almost demand was outstripping supply from the retailers, but have since been able to increase capacity a little and cope with the demand and. and now it has stayed for consumers and we've seen you know we've seen a lot of initiatives that retailers have taken whether it's free delivery for elderly and um, elderly online shoppers that have really helped that remain you know remain popular amongst consumers and we, I mean, we also you know we, we think about the future and we definitely think it's a trend that's going to continue and yeah, um, yeah. i think it's it, it's it's a trend that's across all retail sectors but um, yeah, very strong for groceries. Yeah, and al- almost unheard of before the pandemic. There would have been very little of it before the pandemic. It would have been, yeah. yeah it was yeah, it was maybe 2.5% of what people spend yeah. went online, but we've almost seen that double um, over the last two years, and we think that that, that trend in growth is going to continue um, over the coming weeks and months. Uh, Lucy, one of our listeners, says, I have to agree with your guest. Our guest is uh, David Berry from Cantar. Everything has gone up when you go to the supermarkets uh, these days. But Lucy said the one thing that she's noticed in recent weeks, the numbers of items on promotion appear to have fallen. There isn't as many bog offs, buy one, get one free, or half price offers. It's an interesting dynamic. We're certainly picking that up in in the data that we get from our 5,000 shoppers. Um, we, we have seen a, re, a reduction in promotions, and I think that you know the focus amongst the retailers is, is now about trying to keep keep trying to limit price inflation. Um, so they shift the focus away from promotions a little bit and focus more on you know you could call it everyday low prices, just to try and give people the certainty that the prices that they're going to pay um, are as low as they can be kept, given given those increases that we're seeing in, in some of the raw materials and energy prices and so on that are putting that pressure on. Um, so I think actually when, when we when we talk about the market in Ireland, we, we often talk about it being the most competitive retail environment in Europe. You've got lots of very, very strong retailers operating and people have people generally have a good selection of stores that they could go and visit. So the competition is there um, and that puts pressure on the retailers to, to try and keep those price increases as low as possible. 
and we're always told by consumer experts that the best thing to do is to shop around to try to get the best bargain that, that you, you can. Are we good as consumers about moving between the major retailers or do we have a tendency to be loyal to a particular, to a particular shop? Yeah, it, it, it does vary. I think normally people have, people have their favourite store. They have their chosen store that they're loyal to. But then often there's another couple of stores that they will visit as well. So they will see um, the prices that are in, in, you know, two or three different retailers. So they will be able to do a comparison. And, it, and you know, the, it, it would be said that that competition is good. It's good for consumers because it certainly keeps a, keeps a focus on prices. And then retailers have to respond to that. Yeah, and it is a way to save if you have the time and the patience to shop around and buy a bit here and a bit there and a bit somewhere else. It is, yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you if you split your shop and because actually, if you think about it, one of the one of one of the big ways that people can actually save money is by um, cutting back on food waste. Yeah, um, because if if there's price increases coming through, then what you don't want to be doing is making sure that that some of that food is ending up um, in the compost bin. If you can make sure. And control how much and, and just buy you know what's really needed for the household then that's that's the best way of managing the spend yeah somebody has literally take taken the words out of your mouth and saying 100 percent agree too we buy too much groceries every single week that is one way we can all uh, save all right listen david we leave it there thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the program this morning Thanks, Patricia. Good, Goodbye. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, David Berry from Cantor who uh, do the take-home grocery uh, service. And just on the rising cost of everything when you're going to do your grocery shop, uh, Dee says, I do a lot of home baking as I suffer from allergies. The price of a 2kg bag of flour is now over €3. Euro. Yes, everything has gone up. And when you're talking about tomatoes being in short supply, the ones that you can manage to buy are not great at the moment. Uh, says uh, D, who's uh, waiting the Irish tomatoes, which are by far always the best. Thank you for your text, D, to 0862 103 103. Now, so many people all over the country were so, so shocked and saddened to hear of the death of 51 year old mother of two, Cora O'Grady, who tragically collapsed and died while taking part in last weekend's Climb with Charlie on Galtimore. Cora leaves behind two young children, Lucas and Levin and Lily is just eight and some of Cora's friends have decided to set up a GoFundMe page to try to help these two little heartbroken children and joining me with more uh, details is uh, one of Cora's friends and that's Martin Lane from Mitchellstown. Good morning to you Martin. Good morning Patricia, how are you? Oh listen, uh, can I just send on our deepest, deepest sympathies to everybody who knew and loved uh, Cora. It was such a tragic uh, death. And it, is it true, Martin, that I heard, was was Cora one of the people to organise this walk last Saturday? Yeah, well, Cora would have been um, one of the people that would have been involved in, in doing it, yeah. And um, <laughs> persuading other people to come on board and persuade them, persuading them over the last few weeks to be out doing a bit of walking and preparing themselves and getting themselves a bit fitter and driving it on as such like you know uh, that's just the kind of person she was like you know and she, she, she had done it before she, she had done the climb before oh yeah yeah like you mean uh, Patricia just to to go back you know I went back over Cora's profile on her Facebook page and uh, it was ironic that her first ever post on her Facebook page back in 2010 was her for climbing the Galtis 
in aid of multiple sclerosis Ireland. Ah, oh, the MS climb. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So going back that far, even she was, you know, she was uh, going out onto the hills to help raise money for for different charities and things. And for those of us who didn't know her, Martin, talk to me about Cora. How how would how would you describe her? Um, I know Cora for thirty years. Uh, you ever hear people saying that you know when someone walks into a room? Um, do you know a ray of light comes with them? And do you know that's uh, that's the best way to describe Cora because you you never saw Cora the person come into a room. You saw the smile, you know the big beaming smile that she always had for everyone, no matter who they were. You know, uh, a gentle, you know, kind generous, devoted mother and devoted friend to everyone as well. Like, you know, um you know, there was no no half measures with Cora. You got you got all of Cora. You know, and if you were ever stuck for anything, you know, Cora would be there. Uh just a gentle soul that you know like I said, uh, there's a light somewhere in heaven that's a lot brighter. Since last Saturday, I can tell you that because she brought some ray of light with her. And the world is a lot darker because she's she's gone. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, there's a lot of darkness around Mitchell's town at the moment. Sorry to say it, but... Uh, we have to uh, and and I was, yeah, I was reading some, as you say, posts and, and people remembering uh, Cora and, and you've summed it up really, really well, the amount of people who said just exactly what you've said and she touched so many people and I saw somebody make the point that if this tragedy had happened to another mother who was leaving behind uh, two little ones, Cora would have been out there at the forefront and saying let's organise something, let's do something, let's see if we can help these little ones. Oh she would, she'd have been the one, you know carrying everyone streaming and dragging all the ways you know, let's 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 achieve what we need to achieve. Let's get it going. You know, these people need help. Let's help them. Like you know, and this is what we must do now for Luke and Lily. You know, um, because it's their future now that needs to be secured. And uh, like the amazing generosity so far of people on the GoFundMe page is astounding. Uh, I just checked it there a while ago, and it's at forty-seven thousand, and which is quite staggering in the space of a couple of days but we don't want to stop there like you know uh, I think everyone understands that these days 47,000 really is not an awful lot of money for to try and secure the future of two children that have you know have lost their their mum and their mentor and the love of their life like you know Yeah and she's it, it, it's it, it's worth mentioning uh, she was a, a single parent she was raising these kids on her own Yeah indeed yeah, she was like, you know, uh, like Elish was telling me that even on Sunday when she went out to the house after hearing the news to go out and visit with Geraldine Nidell and the rest of the family, you know, it, you know, Cora already had the, the little bushes outside the door with Easter eggs and all, like, already prepared for Easter. And she was very arty and, you know, just that she was always ahead of, 
You know, there'll be no sort of last minute, oh, we need to put up the Easter egg stuff that with, with Cora to be done in plenty of time so that the kids will get the full enjoyment of of the Easter period. And, yeah. you know, uh, like it's Luke's birthday tomorrow. Oh, um, he, he, he will turn 12 tomorrow. And, you know, the that's why the, the burial is not uh, until Friday, so the removal is today. The burial is Friday, so that hopefully Luke can have some semblance of a, a normal birthday. type of birthday, and like Cora will have already had his presents and things like that bought. So, um, so that's that's the reason for the delay and the, the one day of the of the remo- removal to the burial. So, and of course, then we've Lily, who's getting her communion next month, oh. and. Cora would have um, everything organised for that as well, you know, well in advance, like, you know. Um, so that's, that's that's the kind of stuff you're looking at, uh, hard to put into words, to be quite honest. That's some very emotional days um, uh, coming up, uh, certainly, uh, Martin. And are, are, are there family in in Mitchellstown for the kids? Yeah, Geraldine, yeah. Adele, Geraldine's just out the road and Adele isn't too far away either. They're her aunts. They would be Cora's sisters. Oh, great. Um, great. And, like, unfortunately, Cora had another sister, Gabriel, who passed away five years ago, uh, unrelated illness. But, again, Gabriel was a young young woman as well. And um, so, but thankfully, there's Adele and Geraldine. And, like, it's a very close, close-knit family unit with a very close-knit fringe unit as well. Like, you know, it's, um, they will be looked after, I don't think there's yeah, any, yeah, any, right. any, 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 and, have and, any doubt. And, that, and like, as well you know. as that, she'll be always remembered and those two beautiful kids will grow up knowing and constantly hearing about the shining light that was their mother and that's so important for those kids growing up as well. Oh, it is indeed, yeah. Like, I mean, like I said, I've known Cora for thirty years, and I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anyone mention her in the bad light in all, in all that time. You know, uh, so yeah, they, they have that legacy, and obviously that legacy will live live on in them because they'll have her DNA as well. Like there, you know, of so. course. Yeah, yeah. Listen, it's fantastic that the f- f- friends have rallied and wonderful what, what you're doing. And the GoFundMe page, uh, Martin, how can people access that? Uh, Luke and Lily. Luke and Lily. Uh, Luke and Lily is the name of the GoFundMe page. Okay. And uh, just uh, like the fellas, says, the, the old saying, give a little, it will really help a lot in this instance. Okay, listen, as I say, once again, our deepest, deepest sympathies uh, to Lily, to Luke, to Cora's sisters and the rest of the family and to her wide, wide uh, circle of uh, friends. And we really appreciate, Martin, you taking time to talk to us because it isn't the easiest uh, topic uh, to talk about. And it was lovely to see that Charlie Bird, uh, who also was devastated when I think it was when he got to the top of Crowpatrick himself that he heard about uh, Cora. I know he put up a lovely message on his uh, social media page ages as well because he was so saddened uh, to hear of Cora's death uh, may she rest in peace but Martin thanks a million once again for joining us on the programme this morning Tricia thank you for having me on well, and great, if any, greatly appreciate if anything we can do we're always here for you 
Okay, thanks a Mind million. Mind yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks a million. That is Martin Lane, a family friend of the late Cora O'Grady and uh, may she rest in peace. As Martin said, her removal is uh, later today with uh, burial on Friday. And of course, the news has broken this morning that Ed Sheeran has won his UK High Court copyright case over the track The Shape of You. The singer and his co-writer Snow Patrol's Johnny McDade and producer Steve McCutcheon they've been accused of copying part of a track by the grime art, by grime artist Sammy Chokri but the judge has now ruled and found that any similarities with the 2015 song of OY are not enough to be considered plagiarism so that's a, a good news story for Ed. You're listening to Cork Today on on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, Church of Ireland, Bishop of Cork, Cloyne and Ross, Dr Paul Colton, has paid tribute to all of the people who've rallied around to donate money and to help to renovate eight historic houses in Mitchellstown to cater for families fleeing the war in Ukraine. And to find out more, I'm delighted to say that Bishop Paul Colton joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Bishop Colton. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome, as always, uh, to the programme. Um, I was just saying to John Paul, I was looking, now I haven't seen it because obviously I was on air when President Zelensky was addressing the doll this morning at 10 o'clock and just looking at the man God almighty in a month how one man can age mm, I know I think we're all horrified by this you know and I know a lot of people think there's that it's all Ukraine 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 at the moment and we can't lose sight of other issues and that's true but it's so ghastly and so dastardly and so awful and it's really only a flight of two and a half hours from here you know, and we, I think we're now in a situation where what we thought was inconceivable has become conceivable, as one uh, older Ukrainian woman said on the news that I was watching yesterday. She said, I can't believe this is the 21st century. Yeah, and, and a little over a month ago, these people were leading lives the same as you or I, getting up every day, going out to work, children going to school. And suddenly all that taken away from them and they've ended up in a in a very strange country to them. Yes, and and there will be more. You know, it's um but we've had to mobilize very quickly and it's all a little bit I mean the government and state agencies are doing an awful lot. Um but it's not quite as top down as um as during the COVID pandemic when we had that uh, coordinated response and whether we liked the message or not, you know, Neffet were saying something to the Department of Health, to the HSE, to the government, and it was passed on to us and we were asked to do our bit. Um, this has been a very diffuse response, you know, so there are a lot of people taking initiatives. Um, we know that uh, that the Cork River Rescue people together with Cork Penny Dinners and others, you know, they brought five vans over to yeah. Ukraine and others... Uh, uh, Cronin's coaches, a bus went over with articulated trucks and there's lots of, you know, efforts as well as the, what you might call the official efforts through Red Cross and Habitat for Humanity, Christian Aid and so on, you know. Yeah, because none of us ever thought in our lives, lifetime that we would live through something like this or would witness having to house war refugees, you know. Yeah, and it's also, you know, very, it's putting a severe strain on our whole infrastructure because I understand from the Cork County and Cork City Community Response Forums that I'm on, you know, that ordinarily, you know, there are three and a half thousand um, uh, refugees coming into the country in a year and we mustn't forget or lose sight of those people either who are waiting, Um, but that are already uh, from Ukraine, we're hitting around 20,000 so far. So the numbers are 
way out of the scale from what we're used to, you know, at a time when we have our own housing crisis yeah, on yeah. top of it. Yeah. Now, these um, houses that uh, you're talking about are in Kingston College. Do they need a lot of work to upgrade them? The short answer is yes. Um, they were occupied until relatively recently. You know, some people say, oh, how do you, how are these houses been hanging around when we have our own homeless and all of that? Well, they haven't really been hanging around. The pandemic didn't help in terms of us strategizing uh, the future for these houses. But the college, of course, in this case, people think, oh, it's a school. It's not. Yeah. It's an old, old word that means community. And uh, this charity was set up in 1761 and um, it was handed over to the Church of Ireland Bishop of Cashel, Limerick and Cloyne, now Cork, Cloyne and Ross, uh, to look after. And, um, uh, you know, at the moment, so there are 31 houses and 23 of them are occupied by the mo- at the moment by people of various backgrounds, uh, of different circumstances and so on. Um, uh, five of them became vacant very recently, uh, due to the tragedy of death and people becoming ill and going into nursing homes. So those five only became vacant very recently. But we had three others that became vacant not long before the pandemic. And see, the bottom line with a lot of these old charities is that the income is investment income. And we've never gone uh, to the public before about our financial needs. We were trying to find a way forward, really, because our annual income from investments collapsed after the economic crash. And our annual income is about about 52,000 a year, but we need about 200,000 a year to run it. So during the pandemic, we were trying to take the time to reflect and strategize a way forward, begin to enter into consultation with other charities, and we needed time to work, and the local authority, Cork County Council, who've been very helpful engaging with us now. But with the arrival of the war in Ukraine, we said, look, we don't have time to devise a strategy. We've got to do something with these houses and make them available immediately. Well done, well, well, well done. And how many people would you hope to accommodate? Well, the houses are all different. You okay. know, so one of them might be a one-bedroom house, but then some of them have two living rooms, so you might be able to convert a living room into to a, a bedroom, a bedroom yeah. and so on. And so we have this team of volunteers, too. Uh, Charlie Daly and Cove has gathered a team around him, and they raised 100000 and they're taking on the refurbishment of four of the eight houses. Okay, and people were very quick to offer help and money when you put the word out there that this is what we want to do in Mitchellstown. Yeah, and we didn't really put the word out there. (laughs) What I did was I buzzed around. I I simply blind copied an email to a load of people and said, what do you think, what do you think? And a few people came back and said you'd never do it. And a couple of others came (laughs) back and said, let's form a mail and do it. Yeah. And uh, other people said, look, that amount of money is a big ask. And that was when I was thinking it was 240,000. It's probably nearer 400,000 because some of the houses are in a bad way. And I just heard this morning that some of them need new boilers. But, um, you know, before I knew it, money started coming in. And even this morning now, um, we have an approach. And in my post this morning, there were two checks for 5,000 and so on. So, and it, we didn't ask those people for money. People you know, are great. People you know, are great. Um, so we're sort of over 200,000 in about three weeks or so, you know, and uh, um, we will get there, I'm confident. And these houses then will be continue to be part of the housing stock um, and whether Ukrainians are in them or not, um, they'll be there in the future to continue to do what the charity has always done, which is to provide 
houses to people in need. We see that's the real bonus of of this, and and I know you have people saying, "Oh, we've we've our own homeless," but there are bombs well, no, we, going we are, You know, we we have two houses. We're a small Church of Ireland community in Cork County. We're about seven thousand people, of whom about three and a half thousand are very active. But yet we have two housing communities in the rest. So we're also involved in homeless charities yeah, yeah. as well. But you see, but the real positive of this is, and I keep saying this to people, the Ukrainian refugees need our help now and they need our protection and, and, we, and they need a roof over their heads. All the 99.9% if you ask any of the Ukrainian refugees when they arrive where do they want to be they want to be back home they will go and it's and if you look back on history you know refugees flee wars and they go home because that's where they want to be so there will come a time please God when everything is, is peace reigns in Ukraine they will go home and then these beautiful houses will have had all the refurbishment work done and then they will be available for exactly. local people. It's, trust, that's a real win. That, that's it. And we will continue to do what we've always done, which is to try and meet needs. And in, the, in this case, it's as well as, not instead of. Yeah, there, exactly, exactly. And any problems getting builders or tradespeople to help out? Well, I, uh, the secretary of the Trust, Billy Skuse, who's been working closely with me on this, a man came up to him and said, I hear you're doing houses. I will send you my team of painters and decorators free of charge for so many days. So there's huge goodwill. There yeah. are builders, there are plumbers, there are electricians. Uh, and um, that's, you know, we're sort of, uh, you know, there's a project manager who said that she wants to be involved. And then we're getting people in Mitchellstown saying that, uh, you know, they want to help. And it, it's become, become a whole life of its own, you know, and I feel guilty that I haven't been back to everybody yet, you know. It kind of sounds like that DIY SOS programme that's on the TV. I know, I jokingly great. said to the, to the, we had a site meeting up there with 14 people on Friday and I said, wait now, Annika Rice will appear. <laughs> <laughs> You're showing your age now, the younger generation. I know, exactly. The younger ones looked at me, they hadn't a clue. Well, yeah, won't have, have, yeah, they won't, they won't know a thing. And sure, you might, you might dig out a paintbrush yourself. Are you, any, are you handy I'm like useless that? useless at DIY. I, <laughs> uh, much to my father's disgust, he was a wood turner and the only exam, I'm not boasting now, but the only exam I ever failed in my life was woodwork. <laughs> I can't wire a plug. Okay, we'll keep you away. We'll keep you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I can talk though, so yeah. I do my talk. That's it. That's that's it. So and and so any offers of help or funds most welcome. You're saying absolutely. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know it can only uh, be for the betterment of, of of us all in the long run. You know. And and Bishop Paul, I mean, you're a man of of prayer. Is that something that? all of us can now do and, and hope that in some way it, well, it will help. On the, on the, uh, when we are asked for our contributions on the Cork City and Cork County Community Response Forums, which uh, the city meets on Thursdays and the county meets on Friday, and obviously the big subject at the moment is how to help this situation. But when I make my contribution, there's all sorts of practical bits and others. And I said, don't forget, I said, I'm representing a church and we're praying like mad. Yeah, yeah, that's something that we can all do as well. Yeah, and I know there are big theological questions and philosophical questions about why God doesn't intervene and all of that. But, you know, it's not a time for this. It's a time to be the Good Samaritan.
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Listen, fantastic what what you're doing. Continue good luck with it, uh, Bishop Paul. And as always, pleasure to have you on the programme. Thank Thanks, you for that. Patricia, Thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Church of Ireland, Bishop of Cork, Cloyne and Ross, Dr. Paul uh, Colton. Next weekend will mark the 110th anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic. And after a two year absence due to COVID restrictions, the town of Cove will hold a public ceremony of remembrance for all those who lost lives in the Titanic disaster and joining me with more details of what's planned is Jack Walsh who is manager of the Cove Heritage Centre. Good morning to you Jack. Good morning Patricia, how are you? I'm very well and and you're welcome. Now Cove of course was the last anchorage of for Titanic back in 1912. Do people come to Cove Jack all year round because of its connection with the ill-fated liner? Uh, Yes they do, which is great. I mean, we, we often joke here that the, the Titanic was only um, in port for about two and a half hours, but the town has lived off it for 110 years. Uh, and yeah, people come the whole year round. I, I think the, the, the romanticism of, of the movie Titanic has probably brought it to the forefront of people's minds. Yeah, it was... But I think what you have to remember from our point of view is that we're commemorating the lives of, of the Irish passengers on board. Uh, those who boarded here in, in Queenstown, as it was called then. Um, so the commemoration um, that will take place next Sunday is really to commemorate the lives of those Irish people who boarded here uh, and the 78 of those who unfortunately perished on the Titanic. And it was seven. How many actually boarded at Cove? Uh, 123 boarded in Cove. Oh God, so over half, over yeah. half were, yeah. were, lo- were lost. And, exactly, yeah. And, and all look, of them the headed of them off. In, the bulk of those people were in steerage. Yeah. Um, he- heading off for a new life and exactly. the, the were dreams young, and ambitions young Irish people from all over Ireland pretty much every county in Ireland had somebody who um, was on the Titanic there's a connection there with, and, and it spreads through the whole country uh, which is probably why it has that, that, that attraction for people and that this, those 78 were always remembered in Cove weren't they? Um, yeah uh, their names will be will be um, their names will be called out on um, as part of the ceremony on on Sunday. Yeah, talk us through what's planned for next Sunday. Um, well, first of all, uh, it's an event that's going to have a, a certain amount of music, uh, prayers, and replaying, uh, and it's organised by Cove Tourism uh, every year. And we we actually even did it in in the last two years, but it was done nice and quietly just to continue the, the, the commemoration of the Titanic. So at 2.30 uh, p.m. Uh, next Sunday um, in the centre of town, and by the Titanic Memorial, um, there'll be a, a replaying, but there'll be a colour party from the, uh, naval, uh, the naval O&E. They leave the old town hall near Lynch's Quay and walk to the Titanic Memorial, uh, and there'll be prayers and replaying uh, in that area, and there'll be some uh, music by the Commodore Hotel voice, male voice choir. Uh, and then uh, the proceedings will move from there then to the promenade, where the names of the 79 passengers who boarded uh, and unfortunately perished on Titanic will be read out, uh, and there'll be a replaying uh, in the sea. And then the Cove uh, Confraternity Band will, will play the last post in Revila at that stage. Yeah. So it's it's a sombre enough yeah. occasion, but it's also something that people every year come and see because there is a great connection between uh, historical societies, local people, uh, and anybody who has relatives or has a connection in any way, shape or form with Titanic. 
And it's, it's a lovely occasion and it's a fitting memorial to, to those who died. Yeah, and I think it's the most special place to be, you know, as, as we remember them 110, exactly. 110 yeah. uh, years later. And as, as, you know, I said in the introductions, first public event in the two years. And, and you say you, you didn't let the last two years go. You did sort of quietly did events dur- during yes. the pandemic. Oh, that was um, nice. They, they were, well, they were done early in the morning. Yeah. Uh, there was nobody around, but it was just to continue the, the tradition of doing it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, COVID was was there, but you know you, you still have to mark the occasion. So it was it was done nice and quietly, but it was still done. You know there was a wreath laid, and uh... now the other thing this weekend, obviously, is um, that the British Titanic Society are also having their annual conference in Cove, so they will uh, partake in the whole commemoration ceremony with the, with uh, Cove tourism as well. And have they been to Cove before for for uh, an annual meeting? Number of number of years ago, yeah. but they're coming back, particularly this year because it's the hundred and tenth anniversary. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're having their annual conference and convention in Cove, so that they're going to be around here for the next four or five days. So it's great, and that it's attracting um, groups like that. Mm. Um, so I mean, you asked the question earlier. You know, the people come the whole year round. You get people in small historical societies or Titanic groups who will come at any time of the year. Um, but this is their annual convention, so it's great to have them as well. That's brilliant. That's, that, re- that really is um, good. And from a tourism point of view, uh, Jack, um, is, is it too early to say how things are going? Or are you, is it starting to pick up? Or will Easter be big, do you think? Um, well, obviously, we always get a lift around St. Patrick's weekend. Okay. And we certainly did. It was great to see buses coming back in. Uh, and we're told, we were told only last week that the cruise ships will be arriving back in here from around Easter. Um, but certainly from the Cove Heritage Centre's point of view, we are now starting to get busy. We are seeing lots and lots of uh, American tourists, which is great. Uh, around Easter time, we'll get a lot of French uh, students. We'll get a lot of French student groups. Um, so the, the town is starting to become a real tourism hub. There is so much to do in the town, uh, which is why Cove Tourism try and promote the town so much. Um, it's not just Titanic. I yeah, because it's such a it's such a beautiful town as well. Oh, it is. The, yeah. It's it's a beautiful harbour, and there's so much to do. I mean, in our centre alone, it's not just Titanic. We tell that story, obviously, but we also tell the whole story of emigration from this town because this was the major port of emigration, where over three million people left from here, and we tell it in the form of stories of the various passengers, where they went to, uh, how they got on. Um, you know, so we, we try and make it interesting. Mm. But as well as that, you also have Spike Island, which opened up a number of years ago and is a fascinating place to visit. Uh, and that's if a, that's uh, one of the best day trips. It's, yeah, it's, it's I mean, you, could, you could spend days in cold yeah. and, and find plenty to do. Yeah. And if you've got no interest at all in <laughs> history or anything else like that, you can always go out on the water. Um, uh, certainly for the last two summers, because everything was outdoors, um, Cove Harbour boat hire, uh, Cork Harbour boat hire, were there were pe- people pedaling all over the harbour in self self drive boats. It was wonderful. Yeah, just yeah. to see people using the water. You and, know. and you've you've you mentioned the cruise ships. Uh, have they really been missed in in Cove, Jack? I think that they've certainly been missed from uh, an atmospheric point of view, and 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 the fact that there is so many people coming off those ships. Um, but it's, it's really the whole hinterland that have missed them because when, when the ships arrive here, people get bussed to Blarney, to uh, Killarney, 
uh, to Cork City. They take trips right around the area. They may only be here for a day, but a lot of people want to see the Irish countryside. They want to see... Um, they come in here and have a look around, obviously. Um, but a lot of them will, will go on these organised trips to see Ireland because for some of them it's their one and only opportunity. Mm. Mm. So they have, they have certainly been missed yeah, from that and, point. Yeah. And, and I know in other areas, particularly other tourist towns, people are talking about staffing issues and there's just not availability of staff. Is that been reflected in Cove? Uh, I, I think it certainly is in some of the hospitality outlets like pubs and restaurants. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate, but, you know, you you, you get around those problems. Um, there's different ways of doing business, so you, you get around those problems. Unfortunately, a lot of places are now probably only opening five days a week because they're trying to um, allocate their staff into various different shifts. But, you know, I think certainly when it gets to the summer... Uh, you're going to have an abundance of, of uh, summer students looking for jobs, yeah. etc. So Who always will, pick up will, the slack. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. will, it will take up yeah. a lot of the slack. Yeah. But, it, but it's, it's countrywide. Everyone has a problem. Uh, and I think the public are aware of it. So, you know, if you're going to a hospitality like a pub or a restaurant, have a little bit of patience. That's it. You know, That's think, it. Think, about, think about where you are and the problems we've been through for the last two years and just sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, but and I always say to people, be understanding, particularly if it's young, exactly. new staff who are only being trained in, just have a little bit of un- understanding exactly. uh, uh, as well. Okay, so, uh, and very much Sunday in Cove, very much welcoming of people to come along and just to remember all those lives lost exactly. in Titanic. But, but they're welcome any day. <laughs> of we, course. We welcome tourists the whole year round, so, you know, come to Cove, come to the Cove Heritage Centre, come to Spike Island. Uh, there's so much to offer. In, in this area uh, for individuals for families for whatever you know I mean Photo Wildlife Park uh, and Photo Resort are only out the road Middleton Distillery is only a couple of miles out the other way so there's so much to do in the general area um, so a, a lot of your listeners are West Cork that's come east for a change <laughs> I actually, I actually live in West Cork. I live in, I live in Kinsale, so okay. I travel east every every morning. But I like going back west every yeah, every we, evening. Listen, we, we're blessed in this beautiful county of Cork yeah. to have such uh, stunning places. Uh, Barbara says a number of years ago, I took some visitors uh, to Cove, and we went on a Titanic walking trail. Is Correct. that still available? Yeah, Doctor Michael Martin has run that for a number of years, and it's very popular. Um, it's about an hour. Yeah. Uh, and if you get a lovely sunny day, it's a perfect thing to do because you'll get, you'll get to, to, to hear the history of the Titanic uh, and you'll get to see some of the parts of the town where there are connections where people would have been. Uh, and you'll, you'll get a glimpse of where the ship was anchored. It was anchored off uh, out of the mouth of the harbour. Yeah. Uh, so it's a wonderful tour to take. And okay. it's just another one of those offerings that I said, uh, Cove has so many things to offer. Okay, and if you it's it's not a one horse town. It's not it, just Titanic. Uh, there's a whole horse of history in lots of different things, uh, and one one of the major places people can visit uh, without it costing them a penny, unless they want to light a candle, is Cove uh, St Coleman's Cathedral. Beautiful, cathedral. it's wonderful. Yeah, beautiful cathedral. You, yeah. Are you with Cork tour? Are you with Cove tourism as well? I am. Yeah, I ask. Yeah. I was going to say, if you're not, you should be. All right, that, that explains it. You've sold Cove extremely well, Jack. Well done to you. Listen, um, and well well done to everybody getting involved on uh, Sunday. It will be a very, it sounds like a really, really special yeah, occasion and yeah, a ceremony. It's normally a very good occasion. As I yeah. said, a little bit solemn, but yeah. look, it's, it's that way for a reason. Yeah.
Listen, thanks a million for joining us, uh, Jack. Uh, And you too. Take care. Bye-bye. That is uh, Jack uh, Welch-Walsh, who joins us from the Cove Heritage Centre. And he's also, as you can well see and from hearing from, he's with Cove Tourism. 0818103103. John Paul taking the calls this morning. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862103103. It is Wednesday and Peter Dowdell is back with us. He wasn't available the last two weeks, but he is back with us today. So if you have any gardening questions, get them into us. And particularly if over the last two weeks you sent in maybe a WhatsApp of a gardening question they get, get, kind of get lost in the system and they're hard to find so if you want to send on those questions again to us and I will put them on your behalf to Peter when he joins us in the next hour. Judging by some of the WhatsApps are in uh, Jack Walsh from Cove Tourism Tourism has certainly whet people's appetite for Cove a number of people are saying uh, what about the cathedral somebody says and someone else is glad to hear Jack mention the cathedral if you're paying a trip to Cove a visit to the cathedral is a must regardless of your religion it is a stunning building and Tess says there's a train that goes to Cove every hour from Cork and it's absolutely fabulous says Tess so if you want to go to Cove and you don't want to drive and you want to jump on the train there's one every hour thank you for that uh, Tess and someone else says a trip to Cove you have to go see the Titanic Memorial Garden and that's where the Memorial Garden is where they have that glass memorial wall isn't it that has all of the names of the all of the passengers who embarked in Cove or Queenstown as it was uh, then. So lots of people liking and loving the idea of a trip to Cove. But it is particularly, I think, special to visit around the, that time in April from the 10th of April through to the 14th when it actually sank. It's always a kind of a... And I think it's, there's something quite special about visiting Cove at that uh, time. But as Jack says, people go all year round. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. All this week we're giving you the chance to win with the Racing Home for Easter Festival. It's on in Mallow Racecourse Saturday the 16th through to Easter Monday on the 18th of April. Three fantastic days of racing are planned at the Cork Racecourse. Big event is on Easter Sunday because they've got the most stylish lady event and then Monday it's very much about the families on the Easter Monday with a family fun race a day and we have tickets to give away every day this week. Now we're giving away a pair of tickets every day to the Easter Easter Sunday racing day and then on Friday one of our daily prize winners gets their prize upgraded to dinner for two at the restaurant and an overnight stay at Springford Hall which is located just 10 minutes away from the race course as we've done on Monday and Tuesday of this week we have a racing question for you and you've got a choice between A or B for the answer we need you to text or WhatsApp the answer along with your name and address to O. 86 to 103 103. We give you about 15 minutes to enter and then we will randomly select our winner for today. So today's question. The term noseband is used to refer to A, a strap attached onto the bridle that goes around the horse's nose or B, a horse band is referred as part of the jockey's helmet that protects the jockey's nose. Okay, so the term horse band is used to refer to A, a strap attached onto the bridle that goes around the horse's nose 
or B, a part of the jockey's helmet that protects their nose? If you know the answer, A or B, allowing your name and address, please get texting to 0862 103 103 and we will select today's uh, winner and in with the chance then of getting their, their prize upgraded. And if you would like to get tickets for the Racing Home for Easter Festival, then you can go to corkracecourse.ie. Now, let me take a look at some of your comments that have been coming into the programme all morning. This is, we were talking about Titanic and uh, the connections to Cove. Mike says, please let us not forget the Lusitania and its connection with the town of Cove. 7th of May, 1915, 1,197 lives were lost of the old head of Kinsale, says Mike. We must never forget the Lusitania uh, either. Oh, how right you are on that one, Mike. And then this is one from Dan when he's reflecting on the Titanic and he says 110 years ago we had the sinking of the Titanic. The Titanic and other ships took away our young people to another land for a better life, better opportunities, the chance perhaps to own a home. Freedom from what Dan says at the time was church dictatorship and incompetent state services and and self-serving politics. Now says Dan they use Aer Lingus. Ah Dan, they were not that bad a country but yeah, people still emigrate, but unfortunately we've we've always had emigration in this country. But I think in recent years we've seen people come back, which is always uh, terrific as well. Thanks for your WhatsApp, Dan, to 0862 103 103. Joe says, my son bought a replica of the Titanic and it's on my mantelpiece over the fireplace and it is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I have a great affinity with Titanic. I think it's got something to do with my birthday is the 10th of April and Titanic set sail on the 10th of April and I'm probably assuming as a child there must have been reference made to the various anniversaries that always would have coincided with my birthday and I've always had a huge huge obsession with the Titanic and I've read so many books about the Titanic and I've purchased uh, you know those books the Father Brown books with all the photographs. I've got a gorgeous copy of that at home and if I'm ever anywhere and there's any kind of discussion or anything to do with Titanic I sort of radiate towards it. Went up to Belfast to the Titanic exhibition which I thought was lovely but I still love to visit Cove and its connection with Titanic and I remember being in America as well in Orlando and doing a Titanic experience which wasn't great I have to say but there was an American girl who was, and it was all Americans I was the only Irish person doing this little tour of this Titanic experience and I remember when they started they'd completely forgotten about Cove and this girl was dressed in period costume and she was meant to have been sort of on the Titanic sort of thing and uh, we, the, the, it started and we realised she's not going to mention Cove so I mentioned Cove and she looked at me and I said of course you'd have known us at Queenstown and she covered very quickly it was only afterwards she came over and she actually knew nothing about it so I gave her a little education just said for future reference when you're talking about it so its last anchorage was in Cove slash Queenstown but yeah I have a, I have a real real obsession with uh, Titanic Okay Fidelma in McCroom was on to say David Barry earlier mentioned that people are buying own brand products I feel the own brands are now as expensive as the branded goods so there isn't a major difference whether you're buying own brands when you're doing today's shopping and I suppose that's got a lot to do with um, 
with the fact, Fidelma, that everything has gone up, including own brand uh, products. But certainly there are savings to be made on own brand versus branded products. In some cases, they may be similar prices. But if you're looking, if you go right throughout your shop, there's still a marked difference in some branded goods versus own brands. And in now, I know some people can be very snobby about own brands and say, well, the quality isn't uh, there. But others will say, no, I tried the own brand and it's exactly the same as the branded product. And remember, in some businesses, now they'll never go publicly and say it, but some companies and some producers will make the product. They put their brand branded label on it and charge whatever it is. And then they'll change the whatever it is, the labels inside in the machine and they'll go with an own brand product and it's the very same recipe and the very same ingredients that have been used as well. I'm not saying in all cases, but it certainly is in some cases. And certainly own brand has come on a long way. I think the first of them was probably, do you remember the yellow pack? There would be people of a certain age would remember yellow pack. It would have been the old Tesco, which was, if my memory serves me right, was it five star? It used to be called. I have vague recollections of that growing up. And they were probably the first to come out with the own own brand and Morris Pratt and it was Yellow Pack. And it was it was never deemed to be of great quality compared to the own brand. But I think today, I think that certainly has changed uh, a lot. I don't know. Share your thoughts with me. Have you changed from a branded good to an own brand? And did you find it as good? For example, I'd be interested to hear 0818 103 103. Mary says, Patricia, I heard you mention Debarra's Pub. Now, you said in Dingle it was Debarra's Pub in Clonakilty. I was talking about the Lonely Planet has deemed it one of the top 20 pubs in Ireland and well worth a visit. Mary says, was Debarra's pub, the pub that Maura Debarra, who used to work in RT once upon a time, did she once own it? I think she was a continuity announcer or a newsreader. The name Maura Debarra rings a bell. I don't know if she's got, I certainly don't think she's got any connection to Debarra's pub in Clan. Maybe she does. I don't know, but somebody in the know might be able to tell us. Maura Debarra, who was a continuity slash newsreader for RTE, does she, does she have any connection from a relation point of view and did she once own, or did her family once own Debarra? Barra's pub in uh, Clam. I can see questions coming in for Peter Dowd. We'll keep those coming, please, either into John Paul or you can text or WhatsApp them to 0862 103 103. I mentioned the time capsule earlier and we were talking, in particular, one of our listeners was saying that when they saw online how some people had been very negative in what they included in the time capsule for the census and, you know, saddened by that and it saddened me as well because I really don't think that that's what the time capsule it should be all about as much positivity as possible just even sharing something about our lives that the good people in a hundred years time will be able to look back on and reflect um, John in Blackpool says Patricia this is what I put on my ta- time capsule I wrote down when I was born where I was born and I also included where my mum and dad where they had been born then I wrote a little poem, says uh, Jam. And the poem is called You're Special in You. And it reads, short little poem. Life is easy, or so they say. We all know, not always that way. People rush here, people rush there. Sometimes I wonder, do they really care? Some days you feel good, some days you feel blue. But always remember, you're special in you. And then he wrote at the end of it, love you all. <laughs> and that's from John and Madden's, uh, Madden's Buildings in Blackpool. And what I love about that, John, is if your ancestors decide to dig out and find out more about John and the Ryan family in Blackpool and they come across in 100 years time that time capsule, they'll have that little poem 
to share with their loved ones. I think that's really sweet. Uh, well done. Thank you for that, John. Now, we mentioned that GoFundMe page that has been set up for Luke and uh, Lily, the two children of Cora O'Grady, who tragically died on Galtimore during the Climb for Charity last Saturday. That's prompted somebody to say, well done on setting up of the GoFundMe page. But I'm wondering, says this listener, it's a Mitchestown listener, is there anywhere else that you can donate money to that f- fund? The listener says a lot of older people won't be able to donate online. It's such a heartbreaking story and I would really love to help but I don't do anything online and that's not the way I do my business says this Mitchestown listener and I'm wondering is there any other way? I don't know is the simple answer but if there's anybody listening in Mitchellstown from that little fundraising group it's a group of course friends have got together to do the GoFundMe for, to stick for Lily and Luke going forward for their future. If there's anybody listening and if, if I see John Paul is, is on call so he's kind of flat out busy at the moment but um, maybe Martin Lane might be still listening to us if somebody could get back on to tell us is there any way that if people don't have access or don't deal with online and not able to do GoFundMe is there any other way that somebody could donate because very obviously there are people who would still like to donate to the fund and may not necessarily be able to do it through a GoFundMe page even though what I always suggest to people if you have a family member they might have somebody else you know some relation a friend of yours that you'd be able to give the money to and they'd be able to pop it in in through their own account and do it online but if anybody can tell us please do 0818 103 103 you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 and just while I'm in Mitchellstown while it's and I still have this in front of me from yesterday and it is worthy of a final mention for today it's St George's Arts and Heritage Centre in Mitchellstown they've got an absolutely stunning concert planned for it's a fundraiser for Ukraine and it is on tonight all the funds raised will go directly to help the people of the war-torn Ukraine and they have just an amazing lineup, including, and I hate to single out anyone in particular, but Magella Culla fa- fabulous voice Magella Culla uh, along with the Bel Canto Choir what a setting to hear Magella and the Bel Canto Choir than in St. Jo- George's uh, Church, but they've kind of got music for to suit everybody's taste so there's going to be a little bit of everything for everyone and I think it's just going to be a lovely, lovely evening and at the same time, you know you're doing your bit to support the people of Ukraine. Tickets are priced at €15 Euro and they are available locally and there's still a few available for that concert tonight. And as we spoke with Bill Power yesterday on the programme about it, you know, if you want to make a nice social event out of it, even though you're in what was an old church, it's a deconsecrated church, you're more than willing to bring along, if you want to bring along a little bottle of wine with you or a little can with a little mixer in it or a little bottle of beer. Feel free to do that if you want to make it a completely social event. But it really does sound like it's going to be a terrific night tonight. As I say, limited number of tickets available locally if you'd like to go along. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. And another event that's happening tonight is Annam Cara. They are having their next meeting in the Clayton Hotel in Silver Springs. It's for all bereaved parents, regardless of the age of your child or the circumstances of your child's uh, death. And as always, Anna McCarra meetings are free of charge. Tomorrow Thursday, Ballyhower Development Group and the Mental Health Ireland are holding a coffee morning. It's in Shambhalimore Community Centre at half past ten tomorrow morning. It's a great chance to meet for a cuppa and a chat with activities for all age groups. And Kildallery Community Development, they'll have their weekly lottery 
draw tomorrow Thursday 4 o'clock in the afternoon with a jackpot of €2,900 and the presentation of funds from the Christmas lights display at O'Mahony's Kilbarry will be made to the Friends of Bantry Hospital West Cork Ambulance Service and co-action in Dunmanway. That's happening on Friday in the Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway. And music on the night will be with Finbar Dennehy and family. Our winner today is Dervila Fitzpatrick in Liscarroll. Congratulations to you, Dervila. Correctly identifying that the term nose band is used to refer to a strap attached onto the bridle that goes around the horse's nose. Congratulations, you've won, Dervila, a pair of tickets to go racing on Easter Sunday but you're very close to winning an overall prize which will include dinner for two in the restaurant at the race course on Easter Sunday we'll give you admission a race card reserved table in the restaurant to the winner which includes a four course meal overlooking the track and then at the end of the day doesn't finish there there is an overnight stay for two people in Springford Hall Country House Hotel located 10 minutes away from the race course so congratulations Dervila Fitzpatrick Patrick Liscarroll becoming our third winner of the week. We will do it all over again tomorrow. So you have two more chances to enter and win. And of course, you can go uh, about getting tickets if you want to go racing as part of the Racing Home for Easter Festival Saturday through to Monday 16th through to the 18th of April CorkRaceCourse.ie Now a couple of people have been on when I mentioned about branded goods versus own brand and I was saying didn't it all start with Yellow Pack that would be my memory of the first of the own brand goods and I thought it was Five Star a number of people saying no it was Quinsworth now I'm open to Someone can clarify this. Yeah, it was Quinsworth had the yellow pack. Thank you for that. Was Quinsworth not first called Five Star? I have a fake recollection of that as a child that the shop was Five Star and then it got taken over by Quinsworth or it got rebranded or renamed as Quinsworth. I could be completely wrong and could be hallucinating. But Yellow Pack was uh, Quinsworth and it was a stable of many families in the early 90s, says uh, Donal in Inishannon. And thank you to Maraid who's clarifying for one, uh, for Mary, one of our listeners, when I mentioned about Debarra's Pub in Clonakilty and how they're in the Lonely Planet Guide now as one of the top 20 best bars in Ireland. Mary was wondering about Debarra's pub. She says in Dingle, she thought that's the one I was talking about. I wasn't, I was talking about Debarra's in Clan. And Maura Debarra used to work with RTE. Was she not once linked or did she not once own Debarra's pub in uh, Dingle? And I was wondering, was she any connection to Debarra's in Clan? Maraid, a woman in the nose, says Maura Debarra is from Dingle and she's no connection whatsoever to Debarra's pub in uh, Clannacilty. Now, Maraid says she may have a connection with the pub in Dingle at one stage because there is Debarra's of Dingle but Debarra's of Dingle and Debarra's of Clan have uh, nothing at all to do with each other. And the fundraiser for Little Lily and Luke that I mentioned for those who do not use online for donating and not able to go to the GoFundMe page you can also go into the AIB in Mitchellstown during the morning times and donate. There's an account set up there. OK, thank you. That's somebody in the know. I was, I felt sure they probably would do something like that. So the AIB in Mitchellstown, if uh, people in Mitchellstown want to pop in there, if they want to donate to little Lily and to Luke. And we were talking about Titanic earlier on. Pat says, my grand aunt died on the Titanic. And for that reason, I can never watch 
the famous movie Titanic or any of the movies about the Titanic because I can really sense the fear they had. Thank you, Nusus Pat. Oh, wow, yeah. And if you have a very close family member, I can absolutely understand why you wouldn't want to go anywhere near the movie or anything like that. But Mags is the same as me when I'm saying I'm a bit obsessed and I have a real sort of a an, an obsession um, about and a passion about Titanic and reading and trying to find out as much as I can uh, about it. Uh, Mag says, I'm the very same as you, Patricia, about Titanic. I love hearing stories about it. And Mag says, I managed to get a copy of an old newspaper. I purchased it in a shop in uh, Cove. Oh, says, happy birthday to you. Thank you. As I say, I do think it's because my birthday is the 10th of April and that's the day that it sailed. I think that's probably one of the reasons that I have such a such an affinity uh, to it. OK, on own brand, the, someone is saying own brand toilet tissues. They were... Two fifty nine went in to purchase them today. They've gone up to three thirty nine, and that's an own brand. I, I think not. It's probably nine. Is there inside in the pack of toilet rolls? So that's tying in with what somebody earlier says, Patricia. It isn't just the branded goods. The own brand inside the supermarkets are going up as well. That's a fair jump, isn't it? Two fifty nine to three fifty nine, almost a, a euro eighty cent of an increase. <laughs> and the text just says, "We'll be using grass like we used in the old days." Oh, God forbid that we'll ever, we'll ever get back uh, to that. Okay, can somebody help one of our listeners here, please? Uh, Noel, hi Patricia. I'm looking for a bouncy castle. For two dates, the 7th and the 28th of May, I've got two birthday parties and I'm having trouble getting a bouncy castle for either dates, 7th of May or the 28th of May. And I do really do not want to leave the children down. Can anybody help? And Noel has passed on his number, which we have here. Does anybody know of Bouncy Castles, Bouncy Castle Company that has an opening on the 7th and the 28th of May? I foresee straight away, and I'm assuming they're two Saturdays, are they, Noel? I'm foreseeing straight away what could be the problem about trying to book a Bouncy Castle in May. You're probably slap bang in the middle of First Holy Communion. And are we back to, and particularly First Holy Communions this year will be the first time in the last two years, a kind of normal First Holy Communions, normal in the regard of having house parties for the family and inviting all the neighbours and all the relatives around and bouncy castles become hugely popular for First Holy Communions. So they also are hugely popular for birthday parties as well. So no, that could be the reason why you're having difficulties on those particular dates. But listen, we've put the shout out in case anybody knows of bouncy castles that will be available for hire on the 7th and the 28th of May. And we'll keep Noel's number on file and pass it on. If we can get a bouncy castle for Noel, we are back to bouncy castles uh, they'll be all over the place again this year for sure This is the Court Today replay on C103 Peter Dowd on the IrishGardener.com joining us on this Wednesday afternoon Good afternoon to you Peter A, a pretty showery Wednesday afternoon it, Good afternoon to you. It, it is indeed I'm doing well and how are you doing? 
I'm great. Good, thank God. I had the, I, I succumbed to COVID over the last couple of weeks. Unfortunately, not me sideways, but we're 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 back up and at it again. Yeah, as as we all did, myself, John Paul, we all it just since had trickled through 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 everybody. Unfortunately, okay, let's get straight in. Now, this actually was an email that came in because obviously Peter wasn't with us for the last two weeks, and I kept it on hold because because it's a really good email um, from Kathleen that says uh, Patricia, listening to your gardening tips on C103 and hoping that Peter can help me with a fennel plant that appeared in my small patio garden. Now it was about three years ago. By the way, I never planted it. I loved the surprise at first because of the novelty, the smell and the flowers which attracted lots of bees. So I just let it there doing its thing because I love nature. However, it's gotten too big and started lifting the slabs. I decided to lift the main plant. When I removed the slabs to pull out the plant, I came across its root system. I've pulled out most of the white carrot-like horizontal roots remain. Is there any way, non-poisonous please, to curb the growth of the this besides digging up the whole patio? Do you know what the short answer is? There'll be no need, Trish. Um, the, the root system, as she's discovered, the root system of fennel can be quite vigorous uh, to the point of lifting paving like that. It's unusual to see it doing so much damage, but it can do. But uh, no, if you've, if you've removed the it the way she's described, removed the bulk of the plant and most of the root system, then the roots that are left, no, they shouldn't, they won't um, regenerate and, and send up, uh, cause any more trouble. So I wouldn't worry about it, provided what what the provided what's left isn't physically interfering anything. Uh, I think she's done enough to to. to to, to eradicate the problem she should be fine OK Hi uh, Patricia could you please ask Peter is there any way to stop the snails from eating the potatoes under the ground before you dig them up? You know that's a good, a good question and a difficult one to ask so the, the only solutions I can offer are kind of the normal, if you like, solutions for slope control. So barrier products particularly are very, very good uh, because if you can stop the snails even getting over towards the potato and they're doing well, digging the soil over and leaving it exposed to nature before planting, so during the winter months, leaving it exposed leaving them available to birds and things is, is a great preventing it happening in the OK, I think we're going to have to go the old-fashioned uh, phone line uh, way because Peter is just breaking up too much there. We're trying to use it on uh, WhatsApp. Sometimes it's perfect. Other times the connection can the connection can leave us down and it appears to be leaving us down there. So let's uh, let John Paul get Peter back on the line and we'll go back to the we'll go back to the old fashioned phone system. Sorry about that, Peter. Okay. Okay, that's okay. Go back and give the advice again on the potatoes. Yeah, so I was I was saying really that the the best advice is to use barrier products. So you've first of all in the first instance before you sow the seed potatoes during the winter months uh, to turn that soil and leave any of the soil pests exposed to, to the elements, if you like, and exposed to birds, that will help to kind of, uh, you know, reduce, if not eliminate the numbers pre-planting. But now that the potatoes are in the ground or probably in the ground, use some of the barrier products, such as there's a very good one uh, made from sheep's wool. It's called Slug Gone. Um, and then, the, you can, you know, you can make your own if, if you have access to sheep's wool or a farmer or anything like that. Pellets made from sheep's wool, uh, 
makes an excellent barrier product because when it gets wet, it, it kind of forms a mulch around the potato plants that slugs and snails can't traverse. So if you can stop them getting towards the plant in the first place, uh, you're going to be doing well because it's difficult to, it's a very difficult problem because it's happening under the ground, obviously. So it's difficult to see it until you harvest them. So the best you can do is try and keep the slugs and snails away. There are other barrier products, that even homemade ones like eggshells and things like this, which are, you know, varying degrees of success. But uh, if you're using a slug killer, do be careful. We've had this conversation many times, mm-hmm. Trish, but do be careful that you only use one containing ferric phosphate, uh, not methaldehyde. I'm glad to see methaldehyde pellets are becoming less and less available anyway. They're actually banned now in the UK, right. but not but not in Ireland. So ferric phosphate slug pellets are used something like a sheep's wool pellet to keep them away as a barrier. Okay. Hi, from Elizabeth. Is it possible to move a very mature wisteria? It's next to a wall. The wall has to be demolished, so therefore the wisteria can't stay there. It's like a tree trunk. Thanking you. Do you know what? It, well, I don't thank me yet. <laughs> it's a question of needs. Must really, isn't it? You've no choice. The wall is going. The wisteria has to go. Um, the, the, if you can wait, if you can, from the horticultural point of view, the best time to, move, to attempt to move a mature wisteria like that will be during the winter months. So I'm not sure how, how imminent the demolition of the wall is. So if you can wait, do till the winter months. If you can't, you can't, and you just have to take it out. But I mean. I, I, you, you realistically, for something that's that mature, you'd be looking at like a mini digger or even a big digger to get it out. So if that if if you have access to if machines can get in there with with the demolition work, and if you can get it out with a mini digger too, uh, as I say, ideally it's done during the winter months. You're going to cut it back very very hard. You're going to be cutting it back to the, that main tree trunk stem to give it every chance of survival. Move it straight into its new position wherever that's going to be. Don't leave it out of the ground for any length of time, uh, and pour water on it during this summer if, if you're doing it this summer um, and you really then Trish you just cross your fingers, fingers and hope crossed, for the best yeah, yeah. Yeah. Noel in ovens can I transplant a mature rose tree and is now the time to do it Again, similar advice to the wisteria. You can, but anything that's mature, it comes with you know an inherent risk. And, and the more mature it is, the bigger that risk is of of it not not uh, not uh, transferring successfully. Uh, and like, if you're wondering how come, you know, you'd see new landscaping projects where there's you know mature and semi-mature trees moved into site. They're not just growing somewhere for fifty years and then lifted with a JCB and, and put into site. These all these mature plants that you would see used in landscaping every year in a nursery, that root system is undercut, even though they remain in the nursery. So it's just to, to make sure that the root system stays within one root ball. So that's how that's how it's done professionally. So uh, if, if with the mature rosebush, again, it's winter time that you want to do it. Now, a rosebush will have a kind of a long tap root system. Uh, get as much of it out as possible. Again, similar to the wisteria, you're going to be cutting it back very, very hard. You're only going to be leaving maybe about a foot overground at most get as much of the root system out as possible again don't leave it out of the ground for any length of time um, but I think if you try doing that during the summer months you really are increasing your risk I would do my best to wait to get in November December January to do that job Okay we've sent this picture on uh, to you on WhatsApp Vera wants to know how does she get rid of binding weed Okay I didn't see the picture but okay. bind weed is <laughs> It's all the difficult ones that are coming up today. It's not an easy one to deal with, unfortunately. Um, 
you try taking it out of the ground and it's like elastic. It, it just pulls in your hand and snaps and it leaves some of the root system in there and it comes again. Um, it's, but it, 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 that is the answer, believe it or not. It is just a question of staying on top of it. I, I don't think, and after dealing with bindweed for much of my 49 years, I don't think that you're ever going to eliminate it in truth. You're, but you can, with diligence and hard work, stay on top of it and keep it at bay. So it's a curse of a weed in that it, it, it strangles its host, if you like. It keeps growing up whatever plant it's using for support. Now, it is herbaceous, meaning it dies back for the winter months. So as soon as you see it emerging at this time of the year, stay on top of it. Keep weakening it. So you can keep weakening it by pulling it out, or depending on where it's growing, if this is suitable, by mulching over it. So if you get some compostable uh, weed block fabric or even wet cardboard or newspaper and keep just smothering it, so put that compostable mulch on top of the, the bindweed where you see it coming up and throw some bark or wood chip or other organic matter on top. You know, starve it of light and starve it of oxygen and that will keep weakening it. But no, there's no there's no magic wand, I'm afraid, to, to actually simply eradicate it. Even the chemicals, which I'm not a fan of using, the, 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 you know, they, they don't really work on it. OK, Sarah, by email, a question for Peter, please. Is perlite, which is expensive, worth the money when planting on from seed? I would say yes. So perlite is a volcanic rock and it, 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 it's, uh, you know, it, it's ground into tiny, like nearly grit in size for use in horticulture. Uh, and it makes a very lightweight additive to the compost or to the soil. Uh, you'd use it in place of grit or in place of vermiculite. And the reason you'd use it is to keep the pore space in that compost open so that there's good oxygen and moisture movement in the compost and soil. It will also help with the development of, of, of the, the little roots of those seedlings. So so the short answer to your question, yes, I, I would use it. Now, you don't need to use a lot. I'm not sure what price it is, but uh, you wouldn't need to use an awful lot of it uh, in a seed mix. You'd go maybe maybe 20-30% perlite to, to 60-70-80% compost. Well, it is. It's it's worth the extra bit of money. It uh, is, Mary yeah. wants to know when is the best time to set potatoes? Traditionally, the, the, the first earlies, so these are your home garden and, and things like that, would be in by Patrick's Day. Um, and your main crops really can go in right throughout April and even a bit later. Uh, but I'm a believer, like too, with your with your your earlies. If they're not in, you're you know there's no there's no hard and fast rule that say it has to be Patrick's Day. If you plant them during April, you'll still be fine. They'll still be fine. So it's, now is when you'd want to be planting them. All right, all of them. Someone has just said, is there, no, is there a name of this or isn't? Um, hi, would you tell Peter, I just saw swallows at the train station in Mill Street. Is it very early for them? It was lovely to see them though. I think it is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I would say April. Yeah, April. yeah, it's usually May. It's usually because usually we get we get the calls in to say spot of the swallows, which means summer is here. So it certainly yeah, well, is. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hardly here, yes, but uh, yeah, yeah, it does no. sound a bit does no. sound a bit early. Okay, uh, somebody else is looking for when's the best time to plant summer bulbs. Summer Again, bulbs. depending on what you're planting, Trish, but it's now. So, like in the garden, you're always thinking a season ahead or maybe two seasons ahead. So, your spring bulbs, like your daffodils and tulips, we'll be planting last autumn and winter. And it's now that we're planting for the summer and autumn. So you'll be planting things like gladiolas, dahlias, the summer flowering lilies, uh, begonias, all those kind of things will be planted now. So, you know, if you have indoor space, if you're lucky enough to have a little polytunnel or a glass house, you could be starting a lot of these indoors uh, from February onwards. But if you want to plant directly outside, it's really only now. It's April, end of March, April. 
Uh, and again, it's a bit like the advice I give with the daffodils in the autumn, Trish. Stagger the planting. So plant a few each week so that you're, you're having a longer succession of colour at the other end as well. Okay, Michelle has a steep, rocky incline that she wants to do something with, wants to brighten it up, obviously. What would you suggest planting on it and is now a good time to be thinking about doing it? Now is a good time to be thinking of planting, yes. And without uh, being overly evasive in terms of answering it, I will give a few suggestions, but it's not as simple really as... as, as um, just asking somebody what they planted because you need to take so much into account. So, in other words, you need to look at the soil. The soil that it's, it's a steep and rocky, so it's obviously going to be very free draining. Is it very sunny or not? Is it shaded? Is it exposed to wind or not? These are things that you need to look at, and also maybe the pH of the soil. Um, and also, you need to you need it to work with the rest of the garden. So, in terms of style and in terms of what else is in the garden, so there's a lot that you need to think about. Uh, before you actually get to the nitty-gritty of the plant choice, right? You need to think more in terms of the style and the textures and things that you want to do. Um, so I would say that first, in the first instance, so maybe call to the local garden centre or whatever uh, and get advice there, maybe bring photographs and say, look, this is what's happening in the rest of the garden, this is the way I would like it to look, and how do I get to that? Um, but on saying that, I said I'd give you a few suggestions, so I will. In a steep, rocky uh, bank like that, you could try ground cover roses, which are a great plant to, to establish quite well and give lots and lots of colour. The flower carpet roses. You could also look at, at depending on the size and the scale of the area, You could, but you could also look at using little alpine plants, which I adore, like aubrichas and campanulas, saxifragas. These are all mouthfuls of names, fish, but they're, they're very common plants that you'll know. You know those purpley ones yeah, you see in yeah. stone walls, like the aubrichas and campanulas. Um, Cape daisy, which is also called osteospermum. That's another one that'll do well. But as I say, these are all, you know, the, the, you need a bit more information. You need to look at the garden as a whole and look at the conditions that they're going into. If it's very, very shaded, the ones I've just mentioned won't do. You know, so th- there is a bit more information that you need to look at. Okay, and it's choice and uh, colour. And we have had some some lovely weather, and people have been out and about in the garden. It's just a, it's a pity the way it's, it's turned, but it can be like tonight is meant to be quite cold as well. So we still have to keep that in mind, don't we, when we're when we're thinking about the gardens? You know, we do, and we had really lovely weather. It wasn't it last week? We had yeah. lovely blue sky days. Yeah. It was really gorgeous to be out in it. But yeah, it was still, it was like the, the, the windscreen frozen in the morning again. Yeah. So yeah, you do need to be careful, particularly we're talking about things like seed potatoes there now, and people are, are talking about potting on seedlings and things like that. These are the things that you just need to keep an eye out for if there is a frost coming in the, in the overnight, maybe throw some fleece over them or something like that. Okay, listen, have a good week, and uh, we'll chat to you next Wednesday. Look forward to it. Thanks, Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is uh, Peter Dowdle, the IrishGardener.com. Now, before we go, a couple of quick texts in. Pat in Mallow says, Patricia, I think you're right about Quinsworth was once called Five Star. I remember doing deliveries for a fruit and veg company in the early 70s. And I'm sure it was Quinsworth who took them over, but they were a supermarket chain called Five Star. I thought I was hallucinating. Thank you for that, uh, Pat. And Jim says, Patricia, did I hear you say we'll be eating grass? Think of the methane, gra- gra- methane gas, my God. No, it was somebody was saying if the price of toilet rolls continue then we're going to end up having to use grass. I do not in any way think she suggested that we would be eating it. She said we'd be using it for the other end instead. And Michael in Castletown Bear says Patricia Maura de Barra that was mentioned earlier in Dingle is owned or was owned by Maura de Barra 
who was a continuity announcer on RTE once upon a time. Okay, that was well spotted by a listener. When they heard me, I just happened to mention Debarra's Pub and Clan and somebody thought I was talking about Debarra's in Dingle. Thank you for that, Michael. And then on own brand, Magella in Clan said she came across own brand toilet rolls and she said when she looked on the shelf, the branded toilet rolls were cheaper. People really need to keep a close eye when they're out shopping. Own brand isn't necessarily cheaper. But Mary in Rathcoo says a 2kg bag of flour half the price versus a branded one versus the own brand so when it comes to people who are baking it certainly is cheaper to buy own brand products okay thank you for that uh, Mary hope you're keeping well in Rathcool that's where I leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 onto the 9 Patricia Messenger a very good afternoon Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.